Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. This time on the Politics Weekly, we focus on a problem that is posing perhaps the single biggest threat to the country at the moment, the power crisis. We look at factors that have caused ESCOM to become the monumental failure it is compared to what it was in the past. With our panel, uh, we will be exploring what it might take to turn the situation around. Let's welcome my guests this time. Professor Max Swelling, Chairperson of the Development Bank of Southern Africa, who also teaches at the Center for Sustainability Innovations at the University of Stellenbosch. And, of course, Professor Mazwe Majola, who's CEO of the Worldwide Institute of Leadership. With immediate effect. When people saw us, and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Chaperson. Order, Chaperson. Point of order. The ruling party by order, order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The AFC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the both of you. Professor Swelling, let, let us start with you. What is the nature of the problem we have at ESCOM? Do we have a management problem or a political problem? We have both. So, yeah, I think we, I think we have, um, unfortunately, a perfect storm, uh, a mix of, of dynamics which have come together in ways that have left us with a complex problem uh, which we cannot really predict how it will unfold. Uh, what we are, what we can be certain about is that we're going to be living with high levels of uncertainty for at least the next two years as load shedding persists. The causes of this have got a lot to do with, uh, decisions, uh, that were made in the past. Uh, we didn't start building new power stations in the late 1990s, despite the fact that government approved a white paper that said we must. We didn't uh, sign off, ESCOM didn't sign off on the power purchase agreements to bring in new renewables in 2015 and 2016 under the leadership of Brian Malefe and Marcella Coco. And uh, Gwede Mantash did not procure new renewable energy in 2019, soon after he was appointed minister. So those were decision points that were were missed. Uh, and the consequences are what we have today. In addition, on top of all of that, we had state capture. Uh, and the disastrous build of the, the uh, two, uh, two of the biggest coal-fired power stations in the world, Mudupi and Kusile, which have still not complete and are underperforming and cost more than double what they should have. But, you know, someone might say, look, we, we have had uh, the same political party running the country since 1994, and surely in South Africa we have got, we should have enough engineering capacity, you know, the same kind of capacity that built ESCOM in the first place. How come we have not been able to address the issue? Because it is not something that sort of happened upon us uh, suddenly. It's something, it's a problem that has been building up. Yeah, it has been building actually from the late, uh, from, from the late 1990s, but it has its origin in the pre-94 Civilians Commission of Inquiry 
that led to the proposal that ESCOM had transformed into a, a company with the state as the primary shareholder, which in turn gave the state um, uh, the right to intervene in ways that wasn't the case before with respect to board appointments and executive appointments. So that really is the origin of political interference. Uh, but the but yes, it's true. The governing party is the one that's been um, uh, in power since '94 and has presided over these processes. But you know, it's quite often there's a difference between being held accountable and blame. Um, and you know, it's, the ANC doesn't sit there and look at options and make decisions. Uh, the 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 decisions have been heavily influenced by advisors. Um, so there's a long litany of advisors. There were advisors, academic advisors, um, in the 1990s who said, no, no, ESCOM mustn't build, wait for the private sector to do that. But the prices were too low. So the private sector didn't invest prices of, of energy and a low price of energy is, is what the economy, uh, then de- depended on, especially for export. And then you have the likes of McKinsey, uh, coming in and, and making absolutely disastrous recommendations. Uh, for savings, which it was going to get a, a slice of. Um, and, and we have PwC also, um, playing a major role in, 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 in causing many of the problems we face. We had in Conky, uh, the accounting firm. We had Deloitte. All of these are very, 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 uh, substantial and highly influential consulting companies that provided a lot of the advice, uh, which resulted in the disastrous decisions. Um, uh, that, that got made and, uh, and they should actually also be held accountable for the mess we are in. Mm. Uh, Professor Mitchell, I'd like for you to come in here. You know, from, uh, you know, you've just heard what, uh, what Professor Swilling has been saying. Uh, the, he highlights the, the role uh, of consultants, you know, who have been giving advice, etc. But I, I have to ask you, uh, where, where does, what, what is the, the, the the nature of accountability that should be that should be laid at the door of government, because you know we say we have government which makes the decisions. You know, granted they they, they will get advice, but at at what point does government actually have to fall on its sword on on matters such as this? Yes, just before I answer that uh, um, question, Mike, I, I think we must commend uh, ESCOM for really the the sterling job that is done in terms of distributing um, uh, electricity to the the wide population of South Africa. Because, you know, comparing pre-94, when uh, the the majority of South Africans didn't have electricity, um, and, and obviously everything was well there because it was just concentrated on a small uh, portion of the of the population. Now, post 1994, the 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 uh, uh, ESCOM has really distributed electricity, has penetrated far flung uh, communities, whether it's informal settlements, uh, whether uh, villages, obvious others. We know that the the the. the, the um, there's a lot of uh, illegal connection, especially in formal settlements that are taking place there. So you go to, I mean, far-flung villages, right? Where we wouldn't have electricity 
uh, years ago, but now uh, you can see that there's a little, but the problem is that, so there's been this uh, huge distribution um, uh, to, to, to people with less generation. So, I mean, what, what do you distribute when you're generating enough so that you can distribute to people? And, and my take is that it comes down to leadership, you know, um, or lack thereof. And starting with the, with the, with the governing, uh, governing party, uh, which really, they must take accountability. And I'm very, very disappointed that um, our president seemed to be, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the agency deserves come to this matter, you know. I mean, electricity or energy is the most important thing. We, we've just heard from Business Unity South Africa a few weeks ago that the country is losing 4 billion rand per day uh, as, uh, as a result of this uh, load shedding. So a government that cares, hearing something like that, not only economically, but the, uh, the, the, the hospitals are, are crying foul that the, the, this load shedding is really affecting uh, them there in terms of doing their, their job, uh, assisting their, or taking care of uh, patients, schools, everyone, you know. So the, 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 the fact that the president has not fired the Minister of Energy uh, and the Minister of Public um, Enterprise, uh, I can't understand why we do that. But knowing our president, obviously we know him, we've been saying this again and again, even for other, other areas of other issues, that he's a person who, who's, who's very, uh, you know, it, it seems like he's a person who, who's, who's very scared of firing someone, you know, he's a person who, uh, and unfortunately leadership, it's about taking unpopular decisions. The time when you're a leader, you must be courageous, you must be tough. And I'm not saying that go out there, fire people willy-nilly, but, you know, there should be some accountability. The fact that the Minister of um, um, uh, Public Enterprise has been sitting there for the last two years with a half-capacitated uh, or capacity board members you know, the, 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 on its own, and that that minister should have been really uh, been fired already, because you are now blaming the the, the board of directors. Hearing that, you no, know, uh, he must reconstitute or restructure the board. Yes, of course, yes, he must beef up the board. That's what we've been saying for the last two years. That board has been half capacitated. Half capacitated, you know, uh, instead of about fourteen. 15 full board members. You've been having there six non-executive members, and then obviously uh, 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 with a chairperson and others, probably around about eight. So you can see that the people who are there have been arguing that the fact that they were um, appointed uh, or recruited to come, it's because they are experts in their own fields. They may not be engineers, but ESCOM is a complex, it's a big organization. You know, it cannot be run by only engineers. Yes, engineers uh, uh, should be there is important, but you need energy experts there in the board. You need environmentalist expert. You need commercial lawyer expert. You need a chartered accountant. But now the, the, the minister has not been replacing and beefing up the board for the last two years, 
and we don't have uh, people with engineering and uh, technical uh, uh, expertise in that board because of the uh, of, of of Minister Pravin Kodan. So th- that's a person who must take accountability. Before we can go down to board, to executive, to management, whatever leadership, it's about modeling. It's, it's about it's about example. You take example. You cannot uh, go and fry the small fish and say there go there. He must be the first one to fall on his sword. Okay. Uh, uh, Professor Swilling, you, from the vantage point in your experience, I mean, you, you've been involved in, at, at a very high level in many different institutions, including uh, the development, ben, development Bank of South Africa. Could, could, can we imagine a situation arising at the DBSA, for example, where the board is, is where you've got less than half the number of, of board people, of, of board members that, that you require, and that situation going on for a while? Well, uh, no, I, I mean, that's a pretty extreme uh, situation. Uh, I mean, at the moment, uh, the DBSA uh, has got less board members than it should have, and we have been in uh, conversation with the Minister of Finance for a while to get uh, additional board members appointed. But that's all in hand and is and is happening. Uh, and But we've built up over, the, over time a very stable board culture. Uh, and that's absolutely essential. A lot of my research on state capture in 2017 revealed that many state-owned enterprises had a very problematic board cultures, uh, board cultures that were really manipulated by powerful politicians rather than boards that were uh, really had the best interest of their institution uh, at heart. Um, so that's basically what, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy task to kind of build an integrated and shared collective board culture. What, what about capacity, uh, technical capacity at ESCOM? What, what's your reading of what's happening there? Because if one is looking at, you know, every time there's, there's load shedding, you know, you told, you told that uh, the, the units are falling over. Sometimes they fall, they, they fall over like in threes, you know, and twos, you know, and simultaneously. Um, it, it, and, it, and they seem to be battling to bring a lot of them back you know, back to service on time, et cetera. If, are, are we having a problem technically there or is it just uh, being badly managed, that the talent is there, the capacity is there, it's just being badly managed? Well, I, I mean, ESCOM itself has, uh, has made it clear that um, they have lost a lot of technical capacity over the years. Um, so during the, 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 the CEO leadership of Brian Malefe and, and Machila Koko, which was a, a regime, uh, an autarkic regime ruled by fear. Uh, a lot of uh, very competent professionals who could easily go find jobs elsewhere and in other countries left. Um, uh, and it would be incorrect to assume those were just white uh, uh, professionals. It was, it was all, all, all many different kinds of professionals. So, you know, we've had a bleeding of, of, of technical capacity that's been at the end, that's well known. There's no, there's no secret there. I think, you know, uh, and so that there is a process which the Minister of Public Enterprise has been, uh, fostering to kind of draw back, uh, some of the, the experience, um, uh, technical capacity. And, and when the president visited, uh, Tutuka, he was, he was very alarmed by, by what he found. Uh, but he did refer to the young, 
power station managers uh, across the fleet uh, that are brought in who do need help. So, you know, I mean, I think that's common cause. Um, I, 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 when it comes to management, I think ESCOM management is actually doing quite a good job under the extremely, extremely, extremely difficult circumstances, which is a combination of corruption, a combination of old power stations, and a combination of sabotage. Um, uh, all on top of uh, financial unviability caused uh, caused by decisions that were made prior to the current management. So I think we are fortunate, actually, to to have um, uh, load shedding at, at current levels. It could be much worse. Mm. Pro- Professor Majola seems to be of the view that uh, uh, by now the, something should have happened to the political head. Uh, of 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 ESCOM. I think the board definitely could be. It shouldn't have been allowed to deplete itself like it, like it is. Um, I um, you know as I, in South Africa we have this we have this view that you when when somebody is not uh, performing, you lop off their head on the assumption that the next person is going to do a better job. That often the evidence doesn't support that um, because it's not really individuals. That really matter. Um, it's, it's in those individuals are part of a very problematic, complex system. Uh, and the political decision making system in South Africa is, is kind of gridlocked. Um, and, uh, some of the big key decisions, um, uh, are not really being made. I think that all changed in July when the president made his announcement. That's a game changing announcement that laid out a framework for moving forward which was quite different to the minister responsible for energy policy. The minister was kind of brought in and, 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 and supported it, but it was different to what he had been advocating up until then. Mm. Yeah, and and, and, and uh, just before we, we go over uh, to, to uh, Professor Machola again, the, uh, Professor Suling, you, you mentioned state capture, you know, and yeah. I think generally we, we, we talk in very broad terms about state capture in, in, in state institutions, state capture at ESCOM in particular. Just to give us, you know, as, as lay people an idea of how state capture would have impacted uh, what, what has, you know, ESCOM. Well, well <laughs> ESCOM was the number one prize for the state, the Zuma centered power elite that coordinated the state capture project. Um, and uh, that, that whole project was, there was a formal structure and there was a shadow state coordinated by the Guptas and the Watson brothers and so on. Um, so, so, and ESCOM, looting ESCOM was a priority. Uh, and this was done on a massive, massive scale. I mean, Tutuka, is a relatively young power station. It should be operating at at, at a uh, energy availability factor, in other words, efficiency of at least seventy five percent. It's below thirty percent. And not so long ago, when it came to auditing the the um, the, the, the 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 stairs available into Tuka, all the stairs were gone. Two million, I think it was two million rand worth of stairs just were not there. They'd just been stolen. Um, so there are thousands of court cases. There's massive, uh, there's big court cases to get back money from the likes of Deloitte, from PwC, from McKinsey and so on. Um, and there are, uh, and, 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 and Brian Mulefe and Anosh Singh are, um, are, are in court, 
so, you know, from the very top right through to the station managers, right through to, to staff, you had massive organized looting of ESCOM to the point where it was nearly going to fall over completely. Um, and luckily, uh, state capture or kind of formal state capture uh, came to an end and there is some forces saying, well, let's try and clean it up, but we still have state capture. Uh, we still have those networks, those criminal networks, uh, as well as political networks within ESCOM that are sabotaging what the current management is trying to mm. achieve. Yeah. Professor Majula, are we judging uh, ESCOM's performance uh, too harshly, perhaps? I, I think we do. I mean, as, as Professor Swilling is saying, that really men and women who are there, whether board, executive and management, have tried their utmost best under these circumstances. You know, um, obviously ESCOM is a very complex um, organization um, uh, and unfortunately everything revolves around the leadership. You know, when things are not going okay, uh, it's because of leadership or lack thereof. When Andre Derete took over that uh, job, he knew exactly what what, what was uh, up to, you know. So, uh, of course, yes, he has tried his utmost best to to, to turn around, to put some measures uh, around, and a very heavy political um, uh, environment because the problem with that environment is, is that one, you do certain things and then uh, the, 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 the shareholder, which is the government, uh, and then may come, I mean, may have its own political uh, agenda. So, uh, but... The fact that we are suffering as we are as a country in terms of load shedding, um, surely something should have happened there in terms of um, uh, knowing what are the causes, uh, how we can prevent it, what, you know, it, it seems like no, it seems like everyone is just as despair as all of us. It's like people have lost all ideas. They don't know what to, to do, what to happen. And there are no innovation, there are no... I don't know. It's because we are outside. You know, it's easy for us uh, to say <laughs> all these things because we are outside. Maybe people who are intern or inside, they know what they are going through, what is, is happening there. Uh, le- leadership, it's a very uh, unfortunate thing because it's easy to throw stones and say all sorts of things on find that you really don't appreciate or understand the intricacies and the challenges that people are going through. However, because we are a leader, unfortunately, that's a cost and the price of leadership. That because at the time or currently we are the one who's uh, in charge, and then we are looking up to you. You must come up with uh, um, uh, solutions and, and actions. If you are unable to do that, probably move away and let someone else try, uh, uh, and then maybe you may, may do better than you. Mm. Professor Swelling, in the middle of a crisis such as we have, is it a good idea to have two ministers being in charge of energy or overseeing energy affairs? You know, one looking after the energy provider and another dealing with policy and, and you know, and related other stuff. It's, a, it's an absolutely terrible idea. It's a disaster. If I was the president, I would create under the circumstances a minister for energy who would be responsible for energy policy and um, the energy system. 
uh, which and ESCOM is just a part of it because the problem we face is no longer ESCOM. We don't have an ESCOM problem. We have a power sector problem. And you need a minister who can put his or her hand, arms around the whole thing and guide it in the direction uh, that was set in July by the president. But we have two ministers uh, who don't always see eye to eye. Uh, and that is, that is, that is very, very, very problematic. That's the first thing that I would change if I was the president. Mm. And if we're looking for, for solutions, my, my sense is that, uh, all of us uh, are standing back and looking at, at the ministers responsible, uh, or the minister responsible in particular, Praveen Kodan, and we're looking at Andre Jureta, and, uh, but, but otherwise we don't seem to think there is any contribution that we can make. Can government resolve this uh, crisis on its own, uh, Professor Swelling, you think? No, definitely not, uh, because a big part of the crisis is, is a financial crisis, and the state doesn't have the financial resources to resolve it on its own terms, which is why there is a presidential climate finance task team led by Daniel Manele, uh, former deputy governor of the Reserve Bank, to engage the international donors around the $8.5 billion uh, that was committed at COP26, but also there are processes underway around the restructuring of ESCOM uh, into three different entities that is going to require South African financial institutions, both public and private, uh, to come together to work out how to completely refinance the energy sector. Uh, new generation is already underway. That's renewable on a massive scale. Uh, we're into the transition. Uh, but there's green hydrogen. There's the transmission system. All of that is going to have to come from uh, private sector investors. And we need to recognize we have the funding within the South African context. We don't have to borrow money from overseas uh, and pay them back. We can borrow money from ourselves. Mm. And and your, pro, your prognosis, uh, Professor Swelling, are we looking into uh, another 24 months of pain or are we looking into... No, I think uh, we, 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 things are probably going to get worse over the next two years. Uh, what load shedding is going to get worse. So we must all prepare for that, get our backup systems and our solar panels and so on. Um, uh, from the third year onwards, if all the current procurement uh, of renewables takes place smoothly, which I don't see why it shouldn't, um, from the third year, things will start to improve. And maybe in the fourth year, we will get load shedding. That's, that's my prediction. Uh, but a lot of pieces need to fall into place, in particular around the financing of these solutions. Um, we, we, we really need to uh, enable that. And that would include, for example, an announcement by the Minister of Finance in his medium-term budget speech in October, late October, that the state is going to take over half the debt of ESCOM. If that doesn't happen, it's going to become extremely difficult to put money into the energy system uh, to achieve the reforms that have been announced. Mm. Uh, Professor Majola, uh, the, the, as we're just about running out of time, the last word will go to you. What, what would you say is the elementary lesson of leadership and management that's coming out of ESCOM? Well, it's, um, it's, it, 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 it's complexity management, understanding uh, leadership that um, enterprises like, like ESCOM are very complex 
So you need leaders who will, who will understand systems thinking, complexity, how to handle a, a situation like that. And you need decisiveness, you need uh, action. Um, and I always say that leadership without action is dead. So, and also, I mean, what, what Professor Sulin is saying is very, very important. Communication, communication and communication. I know that uh, ESCOM always have these uh, uh, updates, you know, and mostly with journalists, analysts, with, uh, I mean, uh, uh, educated people. But you've got to beef up the communication department there. Just communicate with ordinary people. What exactly the problem? Why are we having this load shedding? What needs to be done? Because what, what Prof. Swelling is saying is very important that we must prepare ourselves that if really for the next two years it's going to be uh, that. So people must know and then take the people into their confidence and trust. Not coming with all these big weights, uh, technical weights, people don't even know uh, what does it mean. So I will really say that uh, uh, SCOM has really beef up uh, its communication uh, department. Well, that's where we're going to be wrapping it up on the Politics Weekly for this week. And I would like to thank our guests, uh, Professor Max Swelling, who's the chair of the Development Bank of South Africa and also teaches at the Center for Sustainability Innovations at the University of Stellenbosch, as well as Professor Mazwe Majola, who's the CEO of the Worldwide Institute of Leadership. Uh, we appreciate your time, uh, the both of you. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. <laughs>